Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. dudes here on the draft dudes podcast it's joe marino and kyle krabs we are your host chris schubert's here floating around producing this thing we're from the draft network and we're brought to you by bet online your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season you will always find the latest odds team matchup info player news and game trends over at bet online they feature live betting free contests and giveaways all season long they have every sport so head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit just be sure to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. It's bet online, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy National Bootleggers Day to you. That extended pause is me trying to figure out what Bootleggers Day is all about. Well, What's Bootleggers Day about? This is like the, like lifting the movies with the, v- the VHSs and stuff like oh. that, that kind of bootleggers. That's where my mind goes. Uh, that's, um, that's fair for your mind to go there, but I think the spirit of the holiday uh, every year on January 17th is um, to celebrate the key events of the people who wanted to keep the party going, man, that, uh, that uh, continued uh, distilling whiskey um, during prohibition. I see these, you, these guys, you know, um, that's real, the, real heroes, the, the, the real heroes. Yes, that's yeah, what we're I'm, celebrating today. I I am going to honor their memory <laughs> significantly this week. So that's uh, that's that's the celebration today. So, um, Christopher, howdy, Joseph, howdy, how we doing? Vibe right, Association man. for Super Wild Card Weekend. Five of the six games. Joe in the pre-show was like, you know, Chris, five games are we going to do? I'm like, God, dude, we're going to talk about each game for like 25 minutes. We're going to be here forever. Lots lots to get into, lots to discuss. So without further ado, why don't we jump right in? We'll go in sequential order. The 49ers beat the Seahawks 41-23. to 23. My vibe is I'm going to quit doubting Brock Purdy. I feel like I've said that before. Um, Do we share the story, Joe? Do we share the story? No, 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 we don't. Uh, we don't. <laughs> no, no, we can share the story. I, I'll and I'll I'll uh, I'll tell him myself. I sent a text uh, to my good friends Kyle J. Krabs and Christopher P. Schubert just before the kickoff of that game. I said, guys, I said, gentlemen, call me crazy, but I think Seattle's got a decent chance of winning this game. <laughs> and I think my, my logic was, you know, there's supposed to be some rain. Um, Didn't rain was, after like the first right. 10 minutes though big letdown that was um i I said this is the second time a team has faced brock purdy right you figure there's gonna be some some chances maybe at some point brock purdy plays like a seventh round pick didn't happen did not happen and so i 
it's got to be such an interesting spot to be in as a franchise where, I mean, I guess Jimmy G's getting healthy. You, you gave up the world for Trey Lance, but this dude just out there being the trigger man for a <laughs> offense that scores 30 plus points every week, it seems. So I guess you just ride it till, till you can't anymore, but the sample size continues to grow of him playing good football and him playing winning football. San Francisco is going to be a tough out God, yeah. for anybody. You know, I think the formula to knock San Francisco down, right, is you're going to have to pin them down multiple scores early in a game. And anything other than that, you, you feel as though you have the ability for them to just continue to play their game. Yeah. And um, they, they still do have the explosive play elements with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey. So, uh, you're going to have to have a successful bounce early, and you're going to have to have some early success against that 49ers defense, in my mind, to to get them off schedule. And I think that's really the only way that you beat them because they they have really found a way to master the art of, of staying on schedule with just about everything that they do. So you're going to need something dramatic to get them off of their script uh, to beat this team, and that's going to be a tough task for just about anybody they're going to draw the rest of the way. Like that talking point uh, scripts, right? You know, every team has a script that they want to embrace that they feel like gives them the best chance to win. They want to play their game. They want to dictate terms. I feel like the San Francisco 49ers do that better than anyone else in the NFL this year, where it feels like they're going to play the game that they're going to play. You're going to fall into it and you're going to lose. And I think that's a tremendous compliment to who they are and how they go out and do what they do. Um, It's pretty impressive. I have some other thoughts here. Um, DK Metcalf's really good. That's fun, right? Uh, he was extremely productive, and really the offense kind of went through him. Tanner Muse is out there starting at linebacker for the Seahawks. I mean, what was that? I'm like, I'm watching the game, and you, Tanner Muse is making the tackle. Like, Tanner Muse, the third-round pick safety by the Raiders? He starts for the Seahawks? That was like, oh, really type moment. Um and the last thing that I kind of wanted to dump here is I think Seattle has to be careful not to be like so committed to Geno Smith that they get stuck. I think Geno Smith had a great season. He should be celebrated. He should be somebody's starter next year. But I don't think you need to put yourself in a position where you put all your eggs in that basket and now you're kind of in purgatory. I think that's a there's a line to, to toe here and, and you got think you have to be careful. There's a fork in the road, right? That's the way that I would describe where Seattle finds themselves. They could they could double down and commit to Geno and, and try to win that way. If they don't, if they let Geno walk and they let Geno go someplace else or they don't want to go to that contract place that Geno's going to get, then they're ki- they kind of take a step backwards, at least in the short term, while trying to build for the long term. So a very interesting offseason decision coming for, for Seattle. Tip, tip the cap to that team. Though obviously the, the changes that they embraced this offseason already and and – Chris, everything you just talked about was perceived to be what Seattle was going to do. And in some ways they did, but in some ways they didn't. And through a youth movement, uh, a lot of rookies playing significant snaps, they had a winning season and made the playoffs. So, And, and Geno Smith set the franchise record for passing yards in a single season. So um, a, a fascinating team, right? I think they, they were a fascinating team during the draft 
last spring when we were reacting to their picks and and admiring a lot of what they did, but also asking some questions on, okay, how are they going to put these pieces of the puzzle together? And we've seen what some of that looks like now. And um, yeah, I think Seahawk fans have a lot to be excited about. It's unfortunate draw that you drew San Francisco in the first round. Um, but as I said, they're, they're, they're a really tough 60 minute out for anybody just because of the way they play. Helps to have two first round picks, right? You can very quickly pivot here. If you don't want to go yeah. with Gino and you want to go with a young quarterback, you've got two first round picks that you yep. can be able to do that. So it makes it very quick to be able to change the narrative and create that nice, where the buzzy upstart young team being led by a young quarterback. Like if that's the direction you want to go, you can do it very, very quickly. One other thought that I had from the 49ers side of things is just I've enjoyed watching Christian McCaffrey play for this team uh, because I think they give him the ball with a purpose where I think for a number of years in Carolina, it was just give the ball to Christian McCaffrey. And there wasn't a lot behind it. It was literally just force feed him the football. And in the passing game, it was just a lot of just get to the flats. We're going to throw it to you and, and do something right. I feel like there's been so much in this offense that has allowed him to touch the football with a plan and allows him to be the best version of himself. And so if if Christian McCaffrey can uh, continue to stay healthy, I think this is just such a great spot for him. The Jaguars defeated the Chargers 31 to 30. Good for Trevor Lawrence bouncing back from four interceptions to throw four touchdowns. Happy for Doug Peterson. I thought he got a raw deal at the end of the, the the tenure in Philadelphia and am happy to see him paired with a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence and that, that team got hot. They make the playoffs. They get the win, the winning in. Uh, and they, they've been playing playoff games for about two months in Jacksonville. Yeah. Be honest. Right. Yeah. So no, the fact that they've been, been through all that adversity, they were down bad this season and they didn't blink. Uh, I think it's a testament to the coaching job that, that that Doug Peterson has done. I know Brian Dable, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit as a coach who took an undermanned team to the playoffs, won a playoff game, but 27 nothing. Are you kidding me? Or 24 nothing, whatever it was. That was really, really impressive what Jacksonville was able to do. And I have plenty of thoughts on the Chargers, too, but I, I think we should probably start by giving our flowers to, to Trevor Lawrence and um, Doug Peterson. You saw yes. all the good things about Doug Peterson. The going for two when they scored the touchdown down 10 to make it a, a field goal wins us the game. The fourth down call to set up the field goal. Like you saw all of the good things that you get when Doug Peterson's your head coach. All of the aggressive, we're going to confuse you. We're going to do things differently. We're going to make it difficult for you. It was excellent. Excellent coaching in the fourth quarter from Doug Peterson. And 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 to, to get to the point where the game was competitive in the fourth quarter's Says a lot about the resilience and resiliency and resolve of the team. Trevor Lawrence, four interceptions to four touchdowns. I mean, that's that speaks to mental makeup. And um, really impressed with with that. Obviously, I uh, yesterday's we, podcast. We woo, we oh, woo, okay. we woo, we woo. This Who is, is stop, declared? This is to stop Ohio, everything. We woo. Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud has declared for the twenty twenty three NFL draft. He's in. Whew. Okay. Strung that along, didn't he? There's there's part of me that wanted him to go back. Yeah. What was your just motivation really behind like chaos? Just the chaos this, it would have caused. Draft cycle being in total chaos. 
Watching Indianapolis and Carolina stumble all over each other trying to get a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That would have been fun. That would have been a lot of fun. Is CJ I apologize, play for one of those teams? Please continue your thoughts. Yes, I say CJ Stroud plays for one of those two teams. This the thought that I was having was not wanting to rehash everything that I said about Trent Balky on yesterday's podcast, but I think I think this is the manifestation of what I was trying to communicate in that you needed to balance out your young talent with meaningful veterans. And I think that's allowed them to get out of their hole um, multiple times this season. And they have a like really nice foundation to, to build upon moving forward. And it certainly feels like they're in the driver's seat for that AFC South. Um, and now they got a chance to go play Kansas city who they played them tough uh, earlier this year. And I think that's going to be a fun football game. Do we want to do the Brandon Staley thing? Do we want to do it here? I think this is probably the place to hash it out if we're going to do it. Because I have thoughts. So I'll go. I, I have thoughts about this this team in general. Okay. Do you want to go first? Well, I would I would just say this. Obviously, they, they've had surreal production from Justin Herbert at the quarterback position with the sixth overall pick. And you're now through three years of his rookie contract. You went out, you got Khalil Mack in a trade this season. You swung big for the fences with that deal. You think about all the talent that exists. You got Derwin James healthy this season, and, and he's battled injuries intermittently throughout the course of his career. And you got Bosa back just in time to, to get him in line for the playoffs. You get these wide receivers on the field for the first time together, I think all season with the exception of a handful of snaps in December, getting ready to go into the postseason before Mike Williams fractures something in his back. Um, they had activated Rayshon Slater's 21-day window. Well, they, this team has so much talent. And Brandon Staley through two seasons, you had the, what was it, the 9-8 finish last year uh, and, and the collapse late to miss the playoffs. And then this year, the Week 18 fiasco, and then losing this game in the fashion in which they did. Oh, uh, the Chargers will be back. But when you think about the, the construction of the roster and the talent that's allocated and the opportunity that felt like it was aligning for you, getting back to this point for a lot of teams in the NFL is really hard. And... You are a team that is proverbially on the clock because of Justin Herbert's contract situations, and the ramifications are going to come for guys like Keenan Allen, who's getting a little older in his career, and being mindful of paying both Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, and the contract that you gave Derwin James, and Mike Williams and his durability. It's just a really... I look at the Chargers, and there's a couple of teams across the NFL that I look at this this way. Missed opportunity, I think, is probably the the if we're doing vibe association in its true nature. Missed opportunity for the Chargers this year. Th this is a really hard pill to swallow because you you only have a finite amount of time to be able to construct a roster in this manner before Justin Herbert gets a ten year, four hundred and fifty million dollar contract, and that's going to change some stuff. So that that's my thoughts, and I'm I'm bummed for the Chargers. 
I'm happy for the Jaguars, but I'm bummed for the Chargers. And, and when I think about this 2022 Chargers team, missed opportunity is the the thought and phrase that comes to my mind. I think you can obviously look at this team over the last two years and identify Brandon Staley as a reason why they haven't reached their full potential. And I don't think that's what you want to be able to say about a head coach. And I, I remember the hiring process to get to Brandon Staley. I, we all thought it was going to be Brian Dable, right? Tom Telesco and him were high school football players on the same team. Like what happened? What this team is a different team. If they have Brian Dable in control, as opposed to Brandon Staley. And I don't know if they'll move on. I mean, this is a team that moved on from Artie Schottenheimer after he went 14 and two. Right. So like we've seen that happen. Um, but I, I, I you kind of hear some rumblings about how this is a one of the least, you know, they don't necessarily have a ton of cash in terms of an organization. I'm not sure how willing they're going to be to move on, but um, I feel like, I feel like he's holding them back. And I know that defensively he has some good game plans and I like his ideology, but his overall management of the team just feels like it's holding a team back that should should be at least winning a playoff game this year. Should have been in the playoffs last year. I was a Brandon Staley defender in his first year as a head coach. I had wavered off of that position with some of the in-game decision-making that occurred at the beginning of the season. I am not going to sit up here and excuse what he did in week 18 by playing Mike Williams and playing his starters and the risk that came with a game that did not matter. Not going to sit up here and defend that. But it's something that Kyle said at the end of his last comment that has stuck with me and has made me think that the Chargers can't move on from Brandon Staley. You have a limited window with Justin Herbert before he's going to get a new contract, right? He could negotiate that new contract as early as this offseason, and then it could kick in in his fifth year. We are You're running out of time in which you want to win under that rookie contract model, which we all know is the perfect time in order to do so. So with that in mind, are you going to change coaches and change the system, change the language, change the infrastructure around Justin Herbert in year four when you have a finite number of years in which you can do this. That's the thing that would give me pause. Justin Herbert's incredible, and I think with any coach, he can do well. But you change coaches, that changes a lot of dynamics with the way that the team works. And I don't know if you want to do that when you've really only got one, maybe two more years where you can win now with Justin Herbert. Goes both ways. So I don't think they're going to move on from Staley because they're, the only way you do that is I think if you, if you get the the white whale and you get the Sean Payton's of the world that want to come in, right? I think that's the only way you make a change because you might be left with the team without a dance partner here at some point if everybody else is going to get coaches and you're not. So I don't know. I don't think Staley goes. I really don't. I There's an interesting factoid with the Chargers, and I wish I remember who to accredit this to, but if I see it, I will retweet it on my timeline. Um, but it, it's from somebody who'd been on the beat with the Chargers for quite a while and, and said, this is not what I would do, but this is what I think the ownership with LA will do. Was Jim Trotter. I saw this thread. Trotter. Thank you. Yeah. And what he said was uh, the Chargers have utilized a first round pick in 23 consecutive drafts. And he used that as kind of his point of evidence that he thinks it is highly unlikely that the Chargers would trade a first-round pick plus more draft capital for uh, 
head coach Sean Payton to come in and, and take over that team. And, and he ultimately, uh, James Trotter said that he does not believe that the Chargers will, will go in a different direction at head coach either. It seems like he, he thinks that they're, they're going to sustain it with Brandon Staley and, and go back another year. Interesting. The Bills beat the Dolphins 34 to 31. Obviously a, a tighter game than anyone expected. Um, big, big Bills are big favorites. Dolphins gave them everything they can handle. Um, I think part of what I think a lot about in reflecting on this game and, and the path forward for the Bills is, are they going to be this big play hunting offense? Because that's what they've kind of turned into over the last quarter of the season. I mean, Josh Allen, I think 13 of his 39 passing attempts were 20 plus yards down the field. And I mean, there were some really big plays that were made. The Bills certainly scored 34 points. They had a lot of yards, but that level of low percentage plays, right? That's a hard world to live in with that level of consistency because I think you get yourself in lulls. And the Bills, after their first three drives, hit a massive lull. And credit to Miami, who I thought did a good job of being more willing to to play coverage and less blitz, blitz aggressive than they were in the first few series. But there was a ton of chaos introduced by the Bills because they opted to be this big play hunting team. And I think you want – you have Josh Allen, you have Stephon Diggs. You want to throw the ball vertically. You do. But I don't think it has to be to this level of frequency. You can still play a balanced game in terms of your passing game, challenging the deep portions of the field – with utilizing some of your underneath options. And Josh Allen absolutely said no to a lot of that for some chances down the field for some low percentage throws. So it's going to be interesting to see if that's their script against Cincinnati. Um, but for it's it's just risk-reward. And I, I thought it was interesting, the frequency of big plays that they went hunting for uh, in this game. Uh, I believe, yeah, Steve Palazzolo, PFF. Uh, the Bills – led the entire fourth quarter and Josh Allen had an average depth of target of 26 yards in the fourth quarter with the bills leading zero the entire points. time. Zero points, zero points in the fourth yeah. quarter. <laughs> yeah. Um, the dolphins are another one of those teams where you, you will sit back and you'll look at this season and you'll lament missed opportunities. Uh, and I think the thing that sucks for dolphins fans is the things that got you in this game were the same things that have gotten you all season long. We're breaking the huddle late. We're getting play calls in late. You got a seventh round rookie quarterback starting on the road in the playoffs, and you're trying to break the huddle with 11 seconds and run shift motion and get him up to the line of scrimmage and run plays. You burn four timeouts in this game, getting play calls in late. You have the fourth and inches at the goal line, and I understand that they told you it was a first down upstairs because that was Mike McDaniel's explanation. So we had our first down personnel in, and then we got word from the officials that it was fourth and inches. I'm sorry, but you don't call a run on third and two in midfield with two and a half minutes left in the game and don't have a play call ready to go if you don't get the first down. And they didn't. 
and they took a delay a game. And Skylar Thompson missed his 18th butt-ass wide-open middle-of-the-field receiver to bail out of a clean pocket and try to scramble and make some dumb play happen outside of structure. Dolphins third and long down, uh, third and long defense, and pre-snap communication and procedures on offense, burning timeouts and then taking timeouts and then still losing five yards because you're false starting out of the timeout. It's been the same stuff for the Dolphins all season long. This was the big thing when we sat down and we did a coaching search last year that I voiced my concern with is you're going to go out and you're going to hire an offensive-minded coach, great. Just be mindful that you'd ideally like to have somebody who's been in this chair before because you don't want to look back on this season of missed opportunities and lament the self-inflicted wounds because you have a first-time head coach who's going through their own respective growing pains on their communication systems and their challenges. They didn't get a challenge right till week 18. So I could sit here... And I could talk about the injuries to the quarterbacks and the cornerbacks and the offensive tackles and Raheem Mostert not playing in this game. At the end of the day, the Dolphins' defense played Josh Allen as good as they've ever played Josh Allen. They sacked him seven times. They forced three turnovers, got a defensive score. And they forced Josh Allen into playing low-percentage football after they decided we're going to zero blitz him with no corners for the first 20 minutes of the game. Missed opportunity for the Dolphins. It sucks. There's a lot of highs. There's a lot to be optimistic about for this team, but you two are on the clock because you decided to be super aggressive, started spending your draft capital, traded a one, went out, got Bradley Chubb, signed him to a $20 million deal extension. Now you got to figure out the Christian Wilkins contract extension. I'm sure that'll get done. But boy, oh boy, missed opportunities for this Dolphins team, and what did them in on Sunday was the same shit that has done them in all year long. Are you anticipating any changes? Like, is is Boyer safe? Boyer's what? gone. He'll be gone. thought they did do a good job. I haven't seen... I mean, they did a really good job of containing Josh Allen within the pocket. And Josh even kind of ran into some sacks. I think they had the Bills protection scheme extremely confused. Some of that I would put on Josh Allen for not recognizing some hot free runners and just choosing to kind of eat the ball. And, well, they, and they, start, they started adding on late, right? Because Buffalo made their adjustments and started bringing in Dawson Knox. Yeah. And then they'd bring somebody from the other side of the field as the add-on rusher away from the side that they were adding to protection. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was uh, – a pretty good chess match from that perspective, but both teams kind of, when you look at the Dolphins defense against the Bills offense, a lot of risk reward with the style in which they chose to play the game. Um, I would understand your frustrations with the procedural stuff on offense, right? It didn't need to be that way. That was not, you're already undermanned offensively and did yourself a disservice by, I mean, I, I thought routinely, I was like, they're not gonna get the playoff. They're not gonna get the playoff. And a lot of times they pushed it, man, every time. And that, think that hurt their chances um gritty gritty performance by miami um survive in advance for the bills if you're a dolphins fan you should be proud of the way the team played considering the hand that they were dealt but seeing the same things that have been an issue for four months be what got you 
in the 11th hour, you, you certainly hope those things get addressed. The New York Giants thoughts? Be- no. <laughs> All right. No, no, I don't want to. I don't want to be involved in this. No, thank you. Uh, the Giants beat the Vikings thirty-one to twenty-four. I think so much about the end of the game. The Darius. We're running, a, we're running a fourth and th- we're, we're running a three-yard route on fourth and seven and asking well, TJ Hawkinson to make that, a right? guy miss. We don't what even we see here? that if Darius Slayton just catches that pass, man. We also game, don't see that if they don't call the the worst roughing the passer penalty I think I've ever seen called in a playoff game of that magnitude. Brother, you, you can't if you're an official you can't you just can't do that. That's horrible. And Dexter Lawrence is a freaking monster, Kyle. Man, people thought he was a just a big crappy nose tackle they, man. They didn't I, watch the tape. And tape. the thing is, you just no, looked at his height, the, his weight, and brother, his sack production at Clemson, and you said, "Oh no, it's a, he's just a two down, two down plug." We were both on the right side of this one, so we can dunk a little. Not all, not all nose talk tackles are just big floppy dudes that eat space. Some of these guys are legitimate difference makers, and and Dexter showed us that at Clemson, and he's been phenomenal for the New York Giants. Um, can I? Can I? Can I put you on the spot? Okay. I'd like your Mount Rushmore of active NFL nose tackles. Mm. Dexter. Dexter <laughs> Lawrence won. is on the list. Definitively yeah. on the list. Kenny uh, Clark. Vita Vea. Oh, gosh. Okay, hold on, hold on. Vita yeah. Vea. Yes. Put Vita Vea in there. Yes. I'm putting Javon Hargrave in there, and I'm putting DJ oh, Reader in there. So you're going to leave Kenny Clark off. Yeah, I think Kenny Clark's the worst run defender of all of them. But he's the best one. He might be the best one-on-one. I <laughs> am offended that you left Kenny Clark off your route. He's high up, one. man. He's high up. I would probably put him on in front of Hargrave. But I would have Dexter Lawrence, Vita Vea, Kenny Clark, and uh, DJ Reader. as by four. Reader's a monster. Monster. Um, so now the, the Giants... They knock off Minnesota, who I, I we all kind of I think this was like a very common people thought was going to happen, right? The Giants would win this game. Now they play the Eagles, right? Yes. <laughs> They're seemingly overmatched, but um, they've been gonna... overmatched all season, Brother. Joe. They won nine games and they just want a playoff game, okay? <laughs> right. Can I give some credit to one specific um, aspect of the New York Giants that I think has allowed them to be as successful as they've been this season? Wink Martindale? They, uh, yes, Kyle, but let me get there. They did the thing that everybody should do. When you have a first-time head coach who's an expert in one side of the ball, you go get somebody on the other side of the ball who's been around the block a couple of times. And what did Brian Dable do? He got Wink Martindale and literally... I, I, Brian's the head coach who he's probably involved, but he can literally just turn away and, and Wink's got it. Wink's got the defense. Don't have to worry about it. And he can focus on fixing Daniel Jones and getting this offense going in the right direction and look at the success that they've had because of it. More teams need to take that approach. It's what allowed Sean McVay to succeed early in L.A., yeah. and now it's allowing Brian Dable to succeed early in New York. You have to do that. I'm sorry, but when Wink Martindale was on the market, to be somebody's defensive coordinator, there were probably about 25 teams that should have fired their DC if they knew that they were going to hire Wink Martindale. We and I get, get you, players. I get right, right. That's the thing, right? It's like, I get you kind of, you kind of got to have a certain kind of 
roster construction. You got to have certain kinds of dudes to run that system. But the Giants aren't, they're not a finished product yet. Second level of their defense is terrible. I hear running out Jalen Smith. <laughs> right. Right. He's right? been on like every team over Austin the last Austin Calitro right? was like a guy at the beginning of the year. Dude, it's insane. Take Crowder. Like they got they got replacement level players at linebacker. You know who's this Just wait until they get some Martindale? dudes there. Do you know who this year's Wink Martindale is that every team should fire their defensive coordinator Vic? and go higher? Vic, Vic Fangio. Fangio. Go higher, Vic Fangio. He can go wherever Sean Payton goes. Well. He could be the DC for Sean Payton. Well, the sure way, surefire way to make sure your Chargers defense doesn't drop off. That's well, a team that just makes the most sense, man. Uh, the Cardinals are the Cardinals are gaining some traction in that right regard, because the Car- the Cardinals are going to give Sean the personnel control that he wants, right? Because they that's don't the have a GM right now. Right, that's the thing. Sean Sean and getting to go wherever he wants to be able to be the the master of puppets and pull all the strings is kind of the low key like thing that's got to be there for him. And Arizona is the perfect place to check that box. But he has to work for Michael Bidwell. What's the stat? I'm sure you saw this, Chris, about Arizona Cardinals coaches and like none of them have ever lasted more than six seasons. Like what what was that metric I saw? Oh, yeah, I I don't remember the specifics, but I know the stat that you're referencing. I remember seeing it that like they've never had a coach that like has lasted more than like six seasons in their entire history of of being a franchise. Yeah, like it just doesn't doesn't go well for them. Like Bruce Arians is probably the most notable coach that they've had. And he was there for, I think, like four or five years, maybe six at most like. Who was that old school coach that was there? The old school coach that was there. Yeah, they had like Guinness? Some, no. I thought they had some guy with like a, a color for a name or something like that. Like okay, red. Hold on here. Hold on here. Hold on here. <laughs> now, now you Just got like me. some fi- you... 50s football guy name. I mean, we got Denny Green for three D- years. Dave Buddy, McGinnis, Vince Tobin, Bud, right? Buddy Ryan was there. I forgot Buddy I, Ryan was there. You thinking of Curly Lambo? Is that who you're thinking of? <laughs> no. Let's just move on. No, hold on. Put this my, is, this put is my fun. Foot, put my foot in my mouth. Think, I'm probably thinking of some other team. Yeah, no, it's not. They had Dave Pat, Brown as their quarterback for a while. Maybe that's Patty Driscoll, the first head coach in Cardinals history in 1920. Oh, went 17-18-4. You know All right. We're ties. So, Yikes. Is there, any thoughts on the Vikings here? I feel like we haven't even talked. Somehow we're talking about the Cardinals. The game is the Giants and the Vikings. There needs to be a distinction here, right? Because this is what we've learned. This is what we've learned to expect from Kirk Cousins led Minnesota teams, but I don't want this to be indictment on I don't want this to be an indictment of Kevin O'Connell in his first year as a head coach because he has done wonders for that team in what he's been able to do with them. Is that fair? Can I make that distinction? Yes. Yeah, it's extremely fair. They're 13 and 4, man. You know, I mean, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Here's what I would say. You think about the Vikings team this year versus the Vikings team last year. Joe, what would you say is the biggest personnel improvements that Minnesota made? Wow, that's a fun question. Um, In what way is this roster different from last year's roster? Schematically, but that's not that doesn't answer your question. Right, right. I don't know. They got some defense. Didn't they got some defensive line help? Harrison Phillips, I guess. I don't know. Okay. So largely a a, a parallel, right? Yeah. I'm going to read you some numbers. 424 and 425, 426 and 427. 
The Vikings in 2021 were minus one in point differential. They scored 425 points, allowed 426 points. The Vikings in 2022 scored 424 points and allowed 427 points. So they were minus three in point differential, and they won five more football games and set an NFL record for the most one-score wins in a season. Vikings played an unsustainable model of football to a outlier degree. And they're going to get a chance to build upon a 13-win season. But I think about the roster. I think about the talent that's available. I think about the actual performance. And I don't know how much more different it was other than they had a couple big-time plays from Justin Jefferson in critical moments and found a win a way to win just about every one-score game that they played all season long until they made the playoffs. So I'm not surprised by this outcome because I think the way that Minnesota plays is not necessarily a sustainable model of football. 28th in scoring defense and 31st in yards. They're 26th in the NFL in yardage differential on a per-game basis. They got some work to do. Is, is this is this your way of telling us that the Vikings are going to be around 500 next year? I think they're a very strong regression candidate when you consider they lost nine games in each of the last two seasons before that. Especially because hashtag our Lions are coming. Well, right. I'm interested to see what uh, Kyle. That was the thought provoking thought provoking comment you made when you were like, "What's different about this team?" And you're like, "It's kind of weird with a new GM and a new a new coach that, that so much of their roster re- kind of remained intact." I know they traded for T.J. Hawkinson and certainly an influx of rookie draft picks, but yeah, not as much transition as you would have expected, right? The last game for us to discuss here on this show, because the other one hasn't been played yet, the Bengals beat the Ravens 24-17. to I told you the Bengals waxed them. <laughs> I was panicking real hard. I'm Sam sure Hubbard you were. was housing that ball. Kyle was, Kyle was dancing. I was more out of breath nowhere. than Sam Hubbard was. <laughs> Sitting here freaking out like, my God, did I, did I just jinx the Bengals in the wild card round? I'll have <laughs> Ravens fans down my throat and Bengals fans down my throat. Right. Okay. Um, a lot to get into here. Where do I start? Divisional games Why, are weird. They they are. Um, they are. That, the Bengals have a problem with their offensive line. Dude, who's healthy? Nobody. The, an- the answer is nobody. Karras. Not the time for that, right? And their run, like their run game, has just been bad. It's non-existent. Not there. It's just not there. And I, I get it. Like, I, I don't think we talk enough about. I mean, they they had four new starters on this offensive line this year, right? That's offensive lines are about five people working together as one, and I think that especially shows up when you're trying to run the football. I didn't think Joe Mixon just forgot how to be a running back. That didn't happen, right? I think there's a lot for him to adjust to. And then you have guys that are falling off, and that's just difficult. But we'll see how much it matters. It feels like Joe Burrow can carry them. And I, I, I felt like watching this game that Joe Burrow was having this amazing game. He passed for 209 yards. It, they're just they're, they, they, showed, they showed some vulnerability, but I don't know how much it, of it is, okay, very common opponent that you just played 
versus, okay, the Bengals have some things that are concerning, like seemingly every team, right? Fascinated to see how the AFC plays out. And I think Cincinnati and Buffalo is going to be the game of the week next week. What do we want to talk about on the Ravens side of things? Uh, I'll start with this. I, I think the Lamar Jackson not traveling with the team stuff is a little overblown when you consider it's not abnormal for a player who's confirmed to be out to not travel with the team for away games. Yeah, but did you see his Instagram story this morning? Lamar's? I guess you should say Tuesday morning or Monday morning. Monday morning. What was Lamar's Instagram story on Monday morning? He posted this to his Instagram account. Quote, when you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you have something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you too. And then above that, it was a text and it was from somebody else. But the... uh, the hands, the prayer emoji. He's he's gone. He's leaving. Yeah, he's no longer going to be a member of the Baltimore Ravens. I think this is necessary, too. Like, we heard J.K. Dobbins' comments after the game. Those were interesting as well, yes. I, I think we have hit the ceiling for what we are capable of with this group. And I think change is necessary here for all parties. Listen, it, it's a good night for the Tyler Huntley brand. I just want to make it very, very clear. <laughs> I was, was going to ask good you about night that. For the Tyler Huntley brand, he played very well in a tough spot. Except he for hurt. trying to reach the ball over the, the goal all right. line. For He's okay. too far away, Two man. yards out. Okay. All yeah. right. Listen, we don't have to talk about everything, you know, that happened. He played Next well. Next-gen stats he, was like the closest Tyler Huntley came to breaking the plane was 0.6 yards away. It's like, oh, okay, wait, so he was like a full two feet away. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Not even close. The NFL told on themselves. In that tweet, it said the chip in the ball says he was 0.6 yards away. Are you not surprised? Why are we not not using this for all of the other things? I I would imagine they have it on the goal line and on the ball, and that's probably it. Unbelievable. Can I let everyone in on a secret? Sure, Joseph. Kyle Hamilton's good. Oh, yeah. Good play. <laughs> like, he had, a, like, a bad preseason. He didn't get on the field a ton early on, but then he settled in and became a very important member of this defense and a starter down the stretch. So just because it didn't happen immediately didn't mean you had to write him off. The guy really settled in and had a great season. They wrote him off, but he didn't write back, you know? You know, that, that, that was so legendary. I feel like we can't use it because it's just, you know, it's just Gino, right? Uh, it's just such a good quote. You know? It is just, so good. I want to but... use it all the time. Uh, can we talk about John Harbaugh for a second? Because I think there's some unfair criticism being thrown his direction for the way that he handled the end of the game. The end of the game? The end of the game, yes, with the two timeouts well, I, and letting the clock I run I probably down. would not have burned 30 seconds, personally. I think I think what he I think what was what was happening here what I think was was going on and I agree with this if this was what he was deciding to do he was playing for the win if they scored the touchdown oh they, they were, were going to go, for, go two for two to win the but game. you got to so score the wanted, you got to score the do. touchdown uh, agreed agreed but that was why he was okay with the clock and running Chris, down because he wanted to give Cincinnati the like 
If you were, if you knew you were going to go for two, then you probably should have tried to score quickly in the event that you didn't right get get all the information. Give yourself a chance to recover the onside kick and get in position to have Justin Tucker, who's got a a boomstick for a leg, kick a game winning field goal. So even if that's your theory, I still think we wasted thirty seconds for no reason. Yeah, there's no question. Harbaugh is one of my favorite coaches in the league too. I like him a lot, but he did the same thing against the Bills when they. Decided to not kick the game-tying field goal. They went for it on fourth down for the touchdown. Lamar throws the pick, and his thought process was, well, we we wanted to be aggressive and not make it a four-down game for Josh Allen. Well, you got you got to do the thing you're saying you're going to do, right, or else your whole philosophy doesn't right, really if you, if you don't score, it doesn't matter. Right. right. I, no, and I agree. Like, if you don't score a touchdown, it doesn't matter that that's the thought process, but that's what I think the thought process was. And then they came out and they ran the ball. Well, that again, the play calling we can discuss, but I think that that's what they were trying. Like to you, do. you burn the thirty seconds, and then you were like, "Okay, let's run a draw." Why? Because you got popped for a holding from Zeitler. Dude, I hate that. Right. See if we can give half of this back. Come on. Right. Yeah, and that wasn't. Can we talk? Did you really think that was? It was a little bit of a soft holding call. I know that uh, whoever the commentator was liked it, but I'm like, man, I don't know. Was, was it Dungy? Effective? It was Collinsworth. It was Collinsworth. 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 Yeah. Dungy, I can't. I can't. Can I just? I can't it, do Dungy. It was not. Yeah, that was not a very good broadcast. I mean, because um, Al Michaels just doesn't seem interested anymore. No, he's. I love Al Michaels, but this hasn't been his year for sure. Can, if we're doing this, can I go down the rabbit hole? Sure. You can. Yeah, Joe, were you as uncomfortable as I was listening to Tony Romo just ride Josh Allen for 60 minutes or for four and a half hours the way in which he did? Dude, that game Mi- took forever. Mr. January, the alien. It's like, we get it, man. He's good at football. Holy cow. It was gross. I felt I'll dirty. Be I'll be completely honest with you. When I'm watching other football games, I listen to the commentators. When I'm watching the Bills, I have not a clue what they said. The Do me a favor. Go back and, and watch. Listen to, to, to Tony Romo call the game about Josh Allen. I'm, sh- I'm, sh- I'm sure he loves him. I- Chris, did you did you listen to the commentary from Tony I, I, Romo? I listened, to, I listened to some of it. And I, 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 I was around for the alien comment. I heard that in particular, and I was like, you know, maybe we could not do this. Oh, here comes the alien. It's like, oh, okay. like. Well- and Tony and and Tony hasn't been particularly good this year. He's regressed. I, I would agree. I, I did catch a few of his comments. Him talking about it being rare that Matt Milano missed a tackle. I'm like, buddy, watch a little bit of tape. You'll realize that Matt Milano was the king of missed tackles. I did. And catch he gets that. away with it because he's enthusiastic, right? And I think you like that about well, him. I, but like, I love he rides like the waves Tony, of the game but... too. Yeah. Yes, Joe, that's perfect. He rides the wave of the game. Like, he gets excited when, like, you can feel the excitement. Like, and then it just, I don't know. He he took a little small step backwards. Greg Olson, though. That game took, that took took 5,000 years. My God. Yeah, you you knew when they they spotted Buffalo for the first down, there was a 0% chance they were going to overturn that and have any chance of extending that game any longer when it was 450. And the one o'clock game was not over yet. I'm like, there's no chance they're going to do anything other than say ruling on the field stands or getting the hell out of here. How many incomplete passes were thrown in the game? A lot. Well, Skylar Thompson I'm- had about 50 of them. 
Oh, that's that inaccurate. Let me do, draft dudes do math. It's not that far off. It's not that far off. Skylar right. Thompson was 18 of 45. 18 of 45. So what's, what's he dropped back 51 times and completed 18 passes. So 27, 27 for Skylar and 16 for Josh. So 43, 43 incomplete. I think it's super Woo! cool that Skylar Thompson's dad drove 15 hours to watch him play yeah. so he could drive one hour for every completion Skylar Thompson managed to scratch out in the game. Some meat left on the bone for sure from Skyler. Um, Were you thinking of Pop Ivy, Kyle? He was the head yes. coach of the Chicago Cardinals and the St. Louis Cardinals That's, from 1958 to 1961. Is that who you were thinking that's of? That's the Pop Ivy was the one. Okay. And then he was he, he was succeeded by Wally Lem. He was the head coach for of the St. Louis Cardinals for, from 62 to 65. So hey, but before we get out of here, Kyle, what, what happened with the Bucks and Cowboys tonight? Yeah, you're uh, so good at this. Oh. <laughs> I like this bit. We should have been doing this whole season for Monday Night Football. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say McCarthy gets off the schneid. Wins himself oh. a playoff game here on the road. If he doesn't, oh boy. I'm, I'm not going to go as strong with the language as what I said with the Bengals and Ravens, but... Cowboys. Cowboys by three. Eke one out. I have a personal law where I don't um, predict Tom Brady to lose, so I'll abstain. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us today on the show. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert. Thanks to our friends over at Ben Online for their continued support of the show. We hope you guys have a great rest of your day today. We hope to see you again tomorrow. So come on by. We'll be reacting. Um, we're, we're kind of into the declarations window. Uh, underclassmen have until uh, had until midnight last night to declare. They have the next 72 hours to withdraw their names from declaring. We'll get final names on Friday. So we got lots of stuff to talk about as it pertains to both the playoffs and the 2023 NFL draft. So hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you were at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.